This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. So today we're going to be finishing off letter number 17 on philosophy and riches. So we're going to be reading through from about the end of verse 7 to the end of this letter. And a lot of what Seneca is saying here is is uh, merely further developing the ideas that we've been discussing in the Uh, previous two episodes. Uh, You know, these ideas that philosophy is not something that you want to leave to a later date. It's not something that you want to postpone in order that you can uh, be safe or have the niceties of life. It's something that should be uh, ultimately the highest aim in our life because uh, it's the thing that helps every single other element of our life. It's the thing that allows us to see clearly, you know, to perceive the world around us in better ways that are more helpful for us no matter where we are or no matter what we are doing. So we're going to read through these verses, and I guess we'll see if we can pick it apart and, uh, and see if we can find uh, some little extra gems in there uh, to take away from today's episode. So Seneca says, quote, One should not seek to lay up riches first. One may attain to philosophy, however, even without money for the journey. It is indeed so. After you have come to possess all other things, shall you then wish to possess wisdom also? Is wisdom to be the last requisite in life? A sort of supplement? Nay, your plan should be this. Be a philosopher now, whether you have anything or not. For if you have anything, how do you know that you have not too much already? But if you have nothing, seek understanding first before anything else. But, you say, I shall lack the necessities of life. In the first place, you cannot lack them, because nature demands but little, and the wise man suits his needs to nature. But if the utmost pinch of need arrives, he will quickly take leave of life and cease being a trouble to himself. If, however, his means of existence are meagre and scanty, he will make the best of them, without being anxious or worried about anything more than the bare necessities. He will do justice to his belly and his shoulders. With free and happy spirit, he will laugh at the bustling of rich men and the flurried ways of those who are hastening after wealth. And he will say, Why of your own accord postpone your real life to the distant future? Shall you wait for some interest to fall due? Or for some income on your merchandise? Or for a place in the will of some wealthy old man? When you can be rich here and now? Wisdom offers wealth in ready money and pays it over to those in whose eyes she has made wealth superfluous. These remarks refer to other men. You are nearer to the rich class. Change the age in which you live, and you have too much. But in every age, what is enough remains the same. End quote. 
So we're actually going to pause just before verse 11, because I think that verse 11 and 12 give us uh, a few ideas that can probably stand alone, uh, and there's enough in the previous verses that we've just read to, to really pick apart and take some value out of for today's episode. So going back to the start of what I've just read, he says, After you have come to possess all other things, shall you then wish to possess wisdom also? Is wisdom to be the last requisite in life, a sort of supplement? Nay, your plan should be this. Be a philosopher now, whether you have anything or not. For if you have anything, how do you know that what you have is not too much already? But if you have nothing, seek understanding first, before anything else. So again, Seneca is kind of recapping on a few ideas that we've already discussed in the previous couple of episodes, but you cannot hear these ideas enough, right? Uh, He's basically asking, do you really think that if you keep on just searching after other things to fill the void of your life, to to make you feel comfortable in life, do you really think that there's going to come a time uh, where that will be enough and you will start changing your mind and searching for wisdom instead? Do you really think that that time is going to come. And uh, and he makes this excellent point of saying, you know, seek understanding first before anything else. Uh, and, and this is such a key, right? Because like I said in the previous episode, uh, you know, life is kind of like we're being thrown into a rainforest and philosophy is the map, you know, and if you don't have that map, then you might ask yourself, what am I doing just wandering around, you know, trying to figure all of this out, especially when my culture is offering me a map. And that map is the the journey of of seeking wisdom that so many people have gone through. And we can live through their experience and we can see their experiences and we can gain wisdom from what they have done. And then we can use that to walk our own path. We can use that uh, in our own lives to build our own story of, of coming into wisdom. Right. And so, and this is such a key, and he makes a great point here as well that one of the reasons why you might want to seek wisdom first is because uh, how do you know that what you do have in your life is not already too much? How do you know that you're not already trapped? by the uh, the material goods, you know, by the external goods that we seek. Uh, how do you know that you're not trapped in those? Uh, philosophy is the thing that helps us to see that. Philosophy and wisdom is the thing that teaches us what we truly need in life and what is really a necessity. And, uh, and on that point, Seneca goes on to say that dem- uh, nature demands but little, and the wise man suits his needs to nature. And a great way to think about this is go around your home And look at all of the things that you have and ask yourself, do I need this? And I don't mean, would you like it? And I don't mean, uh, would it be nice to have? I mean, do you actually need this? As in, if that item, you know, left your home right now, uh, would you still be alive? And would you still have what you need in order to live a good life? You know, that's, that's what philosophy teaches us is, is what we need truly, what nature requires of us, and what is simply the uh, decorations of life. And that's why I love the point that Seneca made earlier on in the verses where he says uh, that philosophy is not just a supplement, you know, it's not a garnish on the dish of life. It's not something that you add to make life look nice. It's something that should penetrate your soul and show you what is really necessary in the life that you're living, and it should guide you in every single moment. 
you know, that's what philosophy is. It's it's the ruling principle. It's the love of wisdom. Uh, it's 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 vitally important, and uh, and that's what Seneca is trying to get across here. And Seneca goes on to say about the wise man that uh, if his means of existence are meager and scanty, uh, he will make the best of them without being anxious or worried about anything other than the bare necessities. And to understand this point, we need to look at who the Stoics really admired and and who influenced the Stoic way of thinking, and that was the Cynics. I I may have told this story in in a previous episode. I'm almost sure that I have, but uh, Diogenes the Cynic was one of the founding fathers of the cynic school of philosophy. Uh, and and basically, these cynics, they would live their lives with as little as possible. It was it was kind of like the, uh, the, the Western equivalent, you might say, of the kind of ascetic lifestyle that you might see in a lot of uh, Taoist and Buddhist teachings as well. Uh, and so they would roam the streets, uh, you know, and, and live with nothing. And there's this great story where uh, Diogenes is kind of sitting there and Alexander the Great comes up to him because Alexander apparently really admired uh, Diogenes. Uh, and so Alexander came up and said, you know, Diogenes, I'll give you anything. Uh, you know, what would you like? And Diogenes said, uh, yeah, could you please move out of the way of the sun? <laughs> so what we see here is that Diogenes was somebody uh, who was very, very content uh, with the necessities of life. You know, just the things that are needed. When you're hungry, you find food. When you're thirsty, you drink. Uh, you know, when you need some sun, you sit in the sun, right? Like, uh, a lot is not required here. It's not that difficult to figure out, but we make it difficult by adding all of these extra things on top of that and believing that we absolutely need them. And, and you know, when we, ne- when we believe that we need those things to live, that's when the madness of desire comes into it and we are constantly searching for more, more, more to fill that void, to make us feel uh, safe from the perils of life, right? And in the end, we forget that uh, the bare necessities are are truly uh, right in front of us. But an important point to make here is that one of the major differences between the Cynic school of philosophy and the Stoic school of philosophy, as I see it, is that the Cynics uh, really sought out that kind of lifestyle. They sought to remove as much clutter from their lives as possible and to be as bare as possible, right? Uh, There's another story of Diogenes where he goes down down to the river to get some water and he pulls out his cup and as he's filling his cup with some water, he sees a kid come down to the river and uh, the kid basically puts his hands into the water and, and scoops up with his hands to drink. And Diogenes throws away his cup saying, how could this kid be a better philosopher than I, right? So they really sought uh, to push themselves in that direction. Now, the Stoics do have those kinds of practices where they try to, whether it's rehearse poverty, you know, going without uh, for a certain period of time, just, uh, you know, forcing yourself into that position where you can see that you, uh, what you really need. Uh, But ultimately, uh, these material goods to the Stoics were just preferred indifference, a lot of them. 
Meaning, if these things come to us, that's fine, right? But if they don't, it's not going to be the thing that makes the difference of living an honorable life, right? We take, uh, as Stoics, more of a middle way approach, like Seneca talks about, where he essentially says that we need to be in the crowd, but not of the crowd. We do not want to alienate ourselves from other people uh, by trying to seem different or trying to uh, uh, remove ourselves from the, the niceties of society, right? Uh, because to do that would be to uh, alienate ourselves from uh, the the social nature that lies within us, right? We want to be with other people, and uh, we don't want to seem too different to them. But we want to understand always that if those things are taken away from us, that's not going to be the thing that leads us to uh, to, to not living a meaningful, uh, uh, flourishing life. So anyway, there's just a couple of other points that I want to touch on in these verses. So firstly, uh, Seneca says that wisdom offers wealth in ready money and pays it over to those in whose eyes she has made wealth superfluous. And I love this because it's almost like he's painting an image of a door here, right? There's a door that once you walk through that door, uh, you see what wisdom truly is. Uh, and, and, he, and, 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 and that is to understand just how superfluous uh, money is when it comes to living an honorable life. You know, when it comes to living a truly meaningful, flourishing life, once you see, once you truly can see that that stuff, the money, the material goods is not going to make the difference ultimately in whether or not you live an honorable, good life, uh, uh, then wisdom will be available to you. But before that, you're still always going to be trapped on the other side of that door uh, where you believe that that is going to be the thing uh, that is truly valuable or it, that is going to be the thing that is 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 going to uh, lead you to a flourishing existence. And again, we go back to that kind of idea from the Bible. It's, it's, it's uh, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom of heaven, right? Because the wealthy man is always seeking after more money, more money, more money, uh, because he's trapped in that cycle of believing that that is going to be the thing that fills the void in his life. But wisdom only enters when you walk through that door and see that truly money is not the thing that is going to make you happy, fulfilled, uh, or, or live a meaningful life. Now, of course, this is all up for debate, but this is the way that the Stoics saw it. And what I'm giving you here is Seneca's perspective and the background that he might have had thinking like this. And uh, another thing that he says, and this is this is going to wrap up uh, my kind of analysis of these verses, if you could call it that. Uh, he says, change the age in which you live and you have too much. But in every age, what is enough remains the same. And this is a wonderful thing to really meditate on, right? Because uh, things are always changing. And, you know, what is expected of us to desire and to want in society is always changing. There's always something new. There's always something added, something that we need. Uh, we see it in advertisements all the time, you know, uh, basically saying that you, you will not be happy until, uh, until you have this. Uh, and, uh, and so if, if you're always going after those things, then everything that you have, it's always going to be way too much. But if you focus on what people have needed throughout all ages is what Seneca is saying here, uh, you know, then you'll see that you don't really need that much to, to live. You know, it's, it's, it's really not that difficult to figure out that the necessities of life 
are very few compared to the many things that opinion brings us uh, that we feel as though we should have. Uh, and it's, it's a good idea to look at uh, over the ages and think, you know, what have people always needed? What have people always sought after, uh, uh, no matter what the age? Um, what are the necessities? What are the things that no matter when, no matter where, no matter who, uh, that has been enough for them to live? And if you compare those thoughts with what you currently have in your life, you might be surprised to see that you're doing pretty well. <laughs> You've got a lot more than what you actually need. Uh, and, and, and that should be enough to, to show you that what you have right now is enough to live an honorable, meaningful life. So anyway, I hope that uh, there's a lot of food for thought in this episode. I hope you take a few things away and, and meditate on them. You know, like I often like to say, uh, these episodes are only as good as they are practiced in your life. So make sure that you take some of these thoughts away, really see what they mean for you in your own life and see if they can help you uh, to, to gain some deeper wisdom about what it would mean to live a meaningful, flourishing life. So uh, again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you next time.